Hi everybody, welcome to my Friends with Wheels podcast. Today I talk with Danielle Johnson, an ADA coordinator and disability management coordinator. She and I talk about her work as an ADA coordinator and how she got started in the disability community and among other topics disability related. I hope you enjoy this conversation and Tune in, everybody. Okay, so uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in the disability community. Sure. So my name is Danielle Johnson, and I am a certified rehabilitation counselor a certified vocational evaluator and a ADA coordinator. Um, so I've been working within the disability field for many years, um, starting out in the K through 12 setting, working in special education as a paraprofessional in different capacities. And then I worked in student disability services at the university level for many years and then transitioned into human resources. So um, during that span of time, I myself began to identify as disabled. So what's sort of interesting with my personal story is that I started this work just because I felt um, very socially justice-minded uh, I have a bachelor's degree in ethnic studies. I got a, my first master's degree in disability studies. And so I was very interested in sort of supporting disabled folks and uh, advancing causes and advancing rights. And then over the course of several years doing this work, um, I realized that I am disabled myself. <laughs> so that is what keeps me sort of attached to the work and um helps me to feel so passionate about the work is just my own personal relationship to it. And um, I have appreciated working in both the student services end of things and the employment end of things, just because both of those allow people to sort of claim their own independence and sense of belonging in the world, sense of purpose in the world. So whether it was, you know, students and helping them achieve a degree or now employees and helping them to maintain employment and stay at work. Um, it, it just feels very fulfilling to know that I'm helping disabled folks to, to work since historically they are typically underemployed. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your role as a certified rehabilitation counselor, both in disability services and in HR. Sure. I understand you work in those areas. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so a certified rehabilitation counselor is essentially a person who's been trained in counseling to assist individuals to achieve employment that works with their disability. So my training sort of was an overview of disability categories and understanding the functional impact of disabilities on people's bodies and minds. And then the flip side or, or sort of counterpart of that training is training in career development and career exploration, how to create resumes, how to create cover letters, um, how to place a person in fulfilling work, how to match them based off of skills and abilities and personality. So 
were career counselors, but specifically for folks who are disabled, keeping in mind how disability will impact a person's day-to-day functioning in the workplace. So the way that that sort of has, you know, manifested in in my work settings, um, so working in a university uh, within student disability services, I'm thinking about disability in terms of how is that impacting, you know, the student's education? How are they going to be able to access the educational or physical environments of campus with their disability? And then we come in and we address whatever barriers we can in whatever ways we can so that the student is able to achieve a degree at the end of the day. And then in HR now, my work is very similar in the sense that I'm looking at an employee's job functions. I'm determining, you know, how does their disability impact their day-to-day work? What do we need to do to modify their work so that they can do their job, they can meet essential job functions. And so we're just sort of, you know, making adjustments here and there, adding or subtracting where we can so that the person is able to remain employed. So in both of these situations, the the end goal is sort of, you know, the successful completion or the successful maintenance of something. We're either allowing a person to get a degree or allowing a person to, you know, be gainfully employed. Um, So we're just essentially trying to provide access in these spaces. Mm -hmm. That's, That's cool. So like, what are some of the things that you do to help students with disabilities you know, who are struggling in a, in a variety of like settings with like academics and like mental health and all sorts of things. Uh, you know, like what about from like an HR perspective? So if you can just talk about those. Sure. Um, elaborate on those. Yeah. So with education, it it's it's interesting because with college, you know, a student, their schedule is changing every semester, or every quarter. They've got different classes, different instructors, different modes of learning. And so we're really having to make modifications as we go. Of course, there, there were students who would come and you know, seek accommodations. We would approve a bunch of accommodations, and then those would be sufficient for them until they graduate. But it was much more often that we would need to sort of make adjustments you know, as, as we would go through the student's educational program. So in terms of specific accommodations, Um, One of the most common ones is related to testing. Many of our students would need extra time on exams, for instance, because of either cognitive related disabilities or physical limitations that impact their ability to be speedy with certain tasks. So I'm not sure in terms of numbers, but, you know, I want to say that probably most of the students that I worked with in the past had, had some sort of testing accommodation Um, We would also support in-class learning, like note-taking through assistive technology, which is just like a huge help for so many people, not just disabled folks, but so many people can benefit from tech, but often people don't know about tech until they're introduced to it. So we would uh, support things like using recording devices in classes, using different apps or software programs to help support, um, you know, recording notes or uh, transcribing notes, things like that. Um, Things like homework, we would provide deadline extensions, um, work with instructors to to modify where we could regarding assignments and sort of giving students more time um, or eliminating or maybe even um, like averaging grades if we could eliminate certain, you know, scores that were non-essential to the course objectives, Uh, physical access, housing, campus dining, 
um, getting into classroom buildings, uh, all, all those things are areas that we would support, um, whether it was, you know, helping to give a student access to a dietary plan that worked for their food allergies, or they would need, you know, a first floor room in the dorm so that they wouldn't have to use stairs. Um, those are all things that we would be involved with, with the primary, of course, being the academic piece. And then in the employment setting, it's a little bit different. So with employment, it's really a case-by-case -case situation. Um, with, you know, school, everyone's school process looks kind of similar in the sense that, you know, people are taking classes, taking exams, they have homework. And so accommodations can kind of look similar for certain disabilities, especially. Um, in employment, it, it really varies based on whatever the person's job is. So um, that might be eliminating certain job functions for a period of time. That might mean creating a more flexible schedule, uh, allowing for remote work, allowing for you know leave time during the week to attend medical appointments or therapy. Um, it might be providing some kind of technology. It might mean relocating certain aspects of, you know, the employer's facilities so that a person with a disability can access those spaces. So the, the end goal with employment is sort of twofold. The employee uh, is supposed to be able to perform their job duties and, you know, whatever the essential job functions of, of their job would be. But they're also entitled under the ADA to be able to, to access whatever benefits or privileges are associated with employment. So whatever benefits or privileges are offered to the employees of an organization, people with disabilities need to have access to those things too. So sometimes accommodations aren't directly related to job duties, but they're actually related to other privileges related to employment. Um, so those are all things that we would look at in an HR space related to accommodations. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So like, what kinds of stakeholders do you partner in your efforts? Like, what are some of the key organizations that you like work closely with any like nonprofits or anything like that? Um, so uh, most frequently when I was working in uh, the student services space was the Department of Rehabilitation, which, you know, has a different name state by state in California as the Department of Rehabilitation. Um, so every state has their own version of vocational services. That's where certified rehabilitation counselors will often work and provide employment services to disabled folks. That's one of the uh, privileges or benefits that's offered state by state um, under the Rehabilitation Services Act. Um, so that was sort of the main outside entity that we would partner with. Within the educational space with students, most often we are partnering, you know, on campus with other entities on campus. And so not doing quite as much work, you know, with the community, but we would work with, you know, community colleges and partner with them. And um, there are nonprofits in, in my area that we might sort of do outreach with and talk to, but with referrals, it was primarily to the Department of Rehab. And just a quick, you know, plug for, for vocational rehab services. Um, if a student qualifies for financial aid, the DOR can help with things like tuition. They can help, you know, with books. Um, they can help with equipment, computers, you know, whatever might be needed in educational space, even tutoring. So I would always encourage students to pursue, you know, registration uh, with their VR services just in case they, there is some kind of benefit they can gain, you know, from that service. 
And then within the employment space, um, we don't do too much partnership just because, you know, the difference, for instance, with like a DOR referral, we would refer students there because they were seeking employment versus now I'm working with people that are already employed. Um, but, you know, we would partner with them in the sense of if we were doing, you know, a celebration for like Na National Disability Employment Awareness Month or something like that, we might do presentations or special events and partner in that capacity. Um, but otherwise, again, within HR, it's very much internal. We're working with legal teams. We're working with managers. We're working across so many departments. And so the stakeholders really end up being the stakeholders within the organization. So with both of my, you know, my current role and my previous role, I'm working in a situation where there are thousands of individuals involved in the work that I do. Um, and so, you know, right now in my current role within HR, there's like thousands of workers, thousands of unit managers. And so that ends up sort of being the, the bulk of the work that I do. But what's sort of important to keep in mind is that most people don't have a very deep understanding of the disability experience unless they have personal knowledge either because of their own condition or somebody may be related to them. So part of my role then is educating the people around me about disability and making it less invisible because in my, you know, in my observation, oftentimes people equate the word disability with the sort of blue wheelchair logo that we see on disabled parking spaces. And that's not often what disability looks like. You know, working in student services, the majority of our students had invisible disabilities. It was like over 85%, I want to say. So people are often kind of looking for something some kind of indicator that there's a difference there and they're not always going to see it. And so part of my role then is just sort of drawing attention to that and making people realize, oh, you know, disability exists in a quarter of our adult population here in the United States. And so having some level of awareness and sensitivity to that is just is so important because ableism, you know, is very entwined within our sort of like cultural conditioning and just our, our general like national functioning, I feel. Um, and so the more that we draw awareness to internalize ableism and those sorts of things, the, the more improvements that we see. Um, so I do take my role very seriously, even though maybe we're not working with outside, you know, entities a lot. I think sometimes doing that internal work is, is just as important. So. Yeah. Cause that's what I was going to ask. Like, how can like the, the the disability services and like the from an and HR like reduce the stigma of disability and create an inclusive and welcoming environment for people with disabilities? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I absolutely education is is so important, and that's why when I'm in conversations with people, I will often lead with the fact that I identify as disabled because. Unless I were to tell somebody that, unless they were to see me driving my car and see that I have an ADA parking placard, you know, <laughs> there, there's really no reason why a person would make any assumption about me because there's nothing observable about me that indicates that I am disabled. 
And so sometimes that in itself can kind of flip people's thinking on, on its head because then they realize, oh, wait a minute, this is actually challenging my own internalized belief of what disability is. And this person isn't sort of like fitting my perception of what disability is. So that, that can be helpful, like self-disclosure. Um, a couple of things come to mind. So uh, Harvard has implicit association tests, which, you know, you may be familiar with. I don't know if your listeners will be, um, but that's a great way for people to sort of introduce themselves to what kind of internalized implicit biases they have. So all of us have biases, you know, all of us have sort of like the subconscious background thinking that goes on. It's those quick little thoughts that we have, those quick little judgments or stereotypes. And so the implicit association tests help us to sort of see what our biases are. And there is one specifically related to disability. Um, what's interesting is when I do that particular assessment, I actually have a preference for disabled people over non-disabled people, which is my own bias because probably of you know my identity in the space that I work in. Um, but it draws attention to whatever, you know, whatever your biases are. So that's a great sort of tool. And then there are so many, you know, YouTube videos, little things, you know, TED Talks, things that you can find if you just put a little bit of work in. So there's one, um, there's a great YouTube video called, uh, I think it's just called Social Model Animation. It's like a two minute cartoon, which you may have seen before. And um, maybe you can link it for, for your listeners. But basically the premise of this little two minute cartoon is that the quote unquote normal or typical people in the society are all wheelchair users and the abnormal people or atypical people are the ones who can walk. And so again, it's this idea of sort of like flipping, flipping the notion of disability on its head because, you know, in our world, we treat non-disabled folks as normal and disabled folks as somehow abnormal or other. Um, but who's to say that society couldn't exist and the opposite would be true. You know, disability could be the norm and non-disability could be the abnormal thing. So, um, so that's a great little video that folks can watch. And then not that I want to put the burden of, of labor on disabled folks to kind of like do, do the work obviously, but as much as we can, sharing about our experiences, drawing attention to things, you know, making little plugs here and there where we're able to. But people without disabilities really need to do work also, whether that's taking a class or reading a book or, you know, watching a TED Talk. Um, we have access to all of those things. We live in 2022. There's so much information out there. Um, so I would just, you know, encourage people to, as much as possible, seek seek learning in this arena, seek how to be a better person and a better ally to folks. And then, you know, within my sort of employment spaces, the best that we can do is, you know, provide opportunities for education, provide presentations, provide conversations, but people also need to be on a, on a receiving end or be receptive to those conversations. So I think just taking on a stance of openness to learning and an awareness that we don't all have it all figured out, you know, um, there's always more that can be learned. And even I, myself, as somebody who identifies as disabled, know that I don't, I have not arrived at any like perfect level of thinking when it comes to disability and other people who are disabled have different experiences than me. So there's always something that I can learn. Um, the other thing that I would urge people to kind of keep in mind is that 
the idea of disability, we want to treat it as black and white, but it's really not. I think that all of us have different levels of functioning and that can wax and wane, you know, throughout a day, throughout a week, throughout a month. We all have limitations physically, mentally, you know, emotionally, whatever. And I think sometimes when we think about disability from the standpoint of, you know, the impact that it has on our day-to-day, it's more easy to relate to it because the word disabled has all kinds of connotations. People are going to think of what, you know, whatever they think of when they hear the word disability. But the reality is, is that we all have functional limitations. It's just that some people's are more substantial than others. Um, But when we recognize that disability is really just a human condition and a part of being alive, I think it really sort of removes some of that like stigma and some of that mystique, you know, from, from the label. Um, and most people over the course of their life will be disabled either temporarily or will become disabled with age. So it's something that can happen at a moment's notice to any of us, regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, any of those things. Um, it does not discriminate across different, you know, categories of humanity. Um, so that I think should make us want to be, you know, more sensitive to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all really good and important points. All right, everybody, that does it for today's episode of My Friends with Wheels podcast. Today I talk with Danielle Johnson an ADA coordinator and disability management counselor. She and I talked about all things disability related. It was a fun and engaging conversation. Anyway, I hope you tune for more episodes of this podcast. Till then, have a wonderful day. Bye-bye, everybody.